Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Well, let's dive into the Word. Let's go to Samuel, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. starting at verse 1, 1 through 12. I'm going to begin reading at verse 1 through 12. Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Saul took him that day and would not let him go to his home or to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and to his bow and his belt. Verse five, so David went wherever Saul sent him and behaved wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Now it happened when they were coming home, when David was returning from the slaughter of the Philistines, that a woman, that women came out from all around the city, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, and with musical instruments. Verse 7. So the women sang as they danced and said, Saul has slayed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry. And this saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed only thousands. Now what more can he have from me but the kingdom? Verse 9, so Saul eyed David from that day forward. And it happened on the next day that a distressing spirit from God, interesting, came upon Saul, and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music, more than likely it was a harp, with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. Verse 11, and Saul cast the spear at David, for he said, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped his presence twice. Verse 12, now Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and had departed from Saul. When I think of extraordinary men in the Bible, I can't help but think about David. You guys often hear me talk about David. I think David was admired so highly, maybe because he ruled as king. Or it could have been because he played his harp so well and he was known as the psalmist. David was depicted by God as the man who was after his very own heart. David was an amazing man. Uh, there's so many different things I can say about David as far as his qualities that would make him a great leader. Now, although David was a great psalmist, he was an amazing leader who I believe ruled in Israel for over 40 years. Um, an amazing psalmist, amazing leader. Um, the Bible says that he behaved wisely, which means he carried himself well. The Bible also says that he was handsome in form. He would make most men jealous. He could play music. He could sing. 
He ruled well. He had power. Somebody say power. David was a man's man. And all these amazing qualities, although noteworthy, they don't stand out to me the most. I think one of the greatest qualities that David had was his innate ability to forgive people who didn't necessarily deserve forgiveness. He had an amazing quality about him that continued to show honor to someone who deserved dishonor, even though David may have had every right to show dishonor because of what was being shown to him. The Bible says that when David was trying to help Saul, Saul tried to hurt David. Have you ever tried to help someone and end up getting hurt? The Bible says that David had a spear cast at him as he was trying to help deliver Saul from this distressing spirit. Somebody say spear. What was amazing to me in this whole scripture is that David was a marksman of his day. David could throw. David actually sat on the backside of the mountains tending sheep as a shepherd, so he had practiced his aim often. As a matter of fact, if David would have decided to take that spear out of the wall, he wouldn't have missed. David instead chose the harp over the spear. And that's why I'm going to entitle this message this morning is play the harp. Somebody say play the harp. Play the harp and avoid the spear. Somebody say play the harp. Avoid the spear. I'm going to get into my first point. Avoid the spear. There's going to be people in your life that throw things at you. Somebody say throw things at you. But it doesn't mean you need to get wounded. You do not have a choice when people, of people throwing things at you and hurting you in life. But you do have the choice to the degree of which you get wounded. Have you ever disappointed yourself before? I want to see a show of hands. What makes you think that others won't disappoint you if you have your best interest at heart? So there's no way to avoid the fact that people are going to throw things at you and hurt you in life, say, thing, say horrible things about you, or maybe do things to you that maybe hurt you, whether it be relational, whether it be financial, whatever it might be. People are going to throw things at you that have the potential to hurt you, could wreck your ministry, could wreck your marriage, could wreck you at your job or whatever it is. But you have the choice to what degree it hurts you. Amen? I said it like this. Despite of the onslaught from Saul, David never responded with revenge, ever. He always responded back with love. And true love will continue to put its self in harm's way without worry, worry about getting wounded. Because love is like an armor. True love is like an armor. It doesn't matter what you throw, throw at me. It doesn't matter how much you hurt me. Because sometimes people's deliverance is dangerous, especially in ministry. When you pastor or when you're in ministry, people have the potential to hurt you all the time. But you have to develop a big heart but thick skin. And you allow what you allow people to say and do to you, you can't control that. But you do have a say in how deep the spear goes. Amen? A lot of people allow what happens to them externally. They allow it to infiltrate internally. But what, I, what, I, what I've come to a conclusion, something happened. I wasn't even going to say this, Matt. I wasn't even going to say this. 
Now, I'm preaching on forgiveness, and I knew I was going to be preaching on forgiveness um, probably by about Tuesday of this week. Didn't really have anything developed. And then on Wednesday night, we figure out that somebody breaks into the, the, the building here. They didn't get inside the building. They got into one of our trailers and stole about $8,000 worth of equipment. About $8,000 worth. Everything, because we have a, we have a side company. And I, I just, I couldn't help but laugh and chuckle. Was I angry? Yes. But the, one of the first words out of my mouth, you can ask my wife, is I said, Lord, I forgive him. I forgive him. Because I knew if I'm going to come teaching about forgiveness, I knew the enemy was going to throw his spear. I knew he was going to throw his spear. And I knew at that moment I had either, I had two choices. Either I was going to pick up my heart and worship or I was going to remove the spear and, 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 and take revenge. Amen. In every, in every person's life, everybody is in a season where you have a, a choice whether or not you're going to play the harp or you're going to pick up the spear. The Bible says to him who slaps you on your left cheek, turn to your right also. Amen. We don't get this kind of Bible teaching anymore. You have control of how deep the spear goes. I just noticed you have spears on your shirt, mom. That's my lovely mom. The thing I loved about Jesus is that he didn't wait for people to grovel at his feet before he forgave them. As a matter of fact, while he was being crucified, he looked down and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He knew the power of forgiveness. And do you know why he knew the power of forgiveness? He knew that forgiveness wasn't just about them. The forgiveness was for him. Now, I think what's an epidemic, especially in church today, somebody say especially, especially in church and in ministry, the devil doesn't necessarily worry too much about getting, attacking you externally. Because he knows if he can't get you to go back to drugs or alcohol or get you caught in adultery or get you caught in a moral failure, he goes after the internal part of the believer. He goes after the heart because he knows if he can get you bitter, he knows if he can get you in a place of unforgiveness where people have wounded you and wounded you and he can get you to mistrust. He knows that, the, that the, your relationship with God is at, is at that's going to be the expense. Because you can't have a bad relationship with people or look at people poorly and not affect your relationship with God. If you don't love her, your brother who you can see, how can you love your God who you cannot see? So our relationship with people is a direct correlation of our relationship with God. So what the enemy will do is he will use people as puppets to get them to offend you, to get them to hurt you, to get them to backbite about you or talk about you behind your back or hurt you in some kind of deep way because he knows if he can get you to a place of bitterness and unforgiveness, he will cut your relationship with God. Amen? It's quiet up in this Catholic church this morning. I must be hitting a nerve. I have a quote by Martin Luther King, and it says this, we must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is also devoid of the power to love. There is some good in the worst of us and some evil in the best of us. When we discover this, we are less prone to hate our enemies. Martin Luther King. No love, no power. And, and, and unforgiveness, there's only two 
things in the Bible that says is um, an exception for us not getting into eternal life. And that's blaspheming the Holy Spirit and that's walking with an unforgiving spirit. So if the enemy can't get you to fall morally, he's coming after the heart. And there's people who are sitting in this room that want to love God with all of their heart, show up to church every Sunday, but are having a problem. And and you know they're having a problem is because you know when so-and-so calls you, how you look at the phone. Or when that person walks in the room, how your attitude changes and the atmosphere changes. I'm at a place in my life where I want no ought in my heart towards anyone. And it's not about them. It might be selfish, but it's about me. I want to be able to maintain my freedom and walk in an attitude of forgiveness and have a posture of forgiveness so that this isn't broken. This isn't breached. So if you, if you hurt me or if you offend me, and, and, and it doesn't mean that it makes what they did right when you forgive them. You just let go of their throat or you let go of the fact that you think that they owe you something. Amen. And when you do that, God opens up doors of blessings in your life that you cannot receive it. And one of those blessings looks like this peace. Anybody need peace this morning? Peace in their heart. What would it be like if people walked around free of any type of unforgiveness or bitterness towards individuals? What would it look like when you, when you could operate fully in love without restraint towards someone, without any bitterness or unforgiveness towards them? What would our world look like? What would our church look like? What would our government look like? Amen. What would our family look like? I was talking to a friend of mine. I was talking to some friends of mine earlier this week. We were, we were briefing. And I said, sometime, I said, in order to be a bridge, that means you have to get walked on. I didn't say, I didn't say a doormat. I said a bridge. And some people aren't going to be able to cross over from here to eternity unless you become that bridge. And sometimes that means you simply have to get walked on a little bit. But somebody's eternity might be at stake. Amen. You know, I've learned that when people don't shout back at you, that you're going somewhere. I used to be like, Lord, I'm not preaching well. I need to learn how to preach better and get people to shout. But now I'm learning the quieter people get, the more effective it is. Amen. Number two, I think I mentioned this already. Develop a soft heart, but thick skin. Say, develop a, thick, develop a soft heart. Everybody say that. But thick skin. Do not allow people to affect your capacity to love. I'm amazed at how many people hold unforgiveness and bitterness towards people, not knowing that it actually saps you of your ability to be able to walk in power and love. We can no longer afford to give people that much power in our lives. They've took enough power by making the offense. Don't give them the rest of your lives by holding bitterness and unforgiveness towards them. Take your power back by forgiving. The forgiveness, God gave the beautiful gift of forgiveness, not for the other individual. He gave the ability to forgive and the gift of forgiveness for you and for me. You know what staggered me is that even Jesus, I thought about this the other day, even Jesus having the insight that Judas would ultimately betray him still showed him love and respect. I'm gonna let that sink for just a second. Jesus kept him on his team knowing that he was stealing the finances 
and that he would ultimately betray him. As a matter of fact, when he came to Jesus and Jesus knew that he would betray him, he said, do it quickly. And he called him friend. Do you want to know why? Because he looked at everything. He looked at everything as it was coming from the father. And you know what he said to Judas? He, he actually stopped Jesus from, from, from killing one of, the, uh, one of the soldiers. Remember, he cuts off Malachi's ear off. And Jesus says, put your sword back in its place. He said, shall I not drink of this cup that my father has given me to drink? What if that person who is the biggest thorn in your flesh in this season of your life is a cup from the father? I'm going to just sat down here. That's what Jesse Duplantis says. He says, he doesn't say sit down. He says, sat down. I could just sat down here. That's a sermon all by itself. What, that's hard to look at. But when, you, when you're able to look at everything that's happening in your life, coming from individuals, hurts, pains, betrayals, they've talked about me. When you look at it as coming from your father, you're able to get through it without bitterness and unforgiveness because you can see from God's point of view that this is shaping me, this person is shaping me into the person that God's called me to be. Did you tell the story, uh, Moses, recently about the Three Stooges? Did you, did you tell it? No, no. I, I'm going to quickly tell this story, if that's okay. Is this okay? There was a story called the Three Stooges. It was by a man by the name of um, Graham Cook was his name. And there was the, he had a, a, a ministry that was a prophetic ministry. And he... Um, he had these three guys that would come in and they were writing in the paper all kinds of negative things about him and his ministry, just crucifying him publicly. But every single week they would come in and sit in this service and they would pencil down what he was doing wrong and then go write about it. And Graham Cook knew about it. And he was angry and he was like, Lord, calling fire down on these guys. You know, Lord, remove them. And uh, just like you know, James and John, you know, calling fire down from heaven on these guys. But they would show up year after year, week after week, talking about Graham Cook and trying to destroy his ministry. And then one day, Graham has a dream. And in this dream, he's sitting on God the Father's lap. And he really can't see God because God is bright. You can't look upon God. And, 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 God brings out this big slab of marble. And he says, you know what that is, Graham? He says, no, I don't know what it is, but it sure is beautiful. And he says, well, this is a slab of stone and it's you. And he says, you want to see what we're going to do with it? And, and he says, sure, God. And he, says, and he puts to work, these, these three hands start going to work on this slab of stone. Am I telling it right, Mo? The slab of stone has these three hands, no faces. It starts going to work on this piece of stone and it's shaping it into this beautiful monument. And then they're going kind of slow. And so God tells Graham, he says, why don't you cheer them on? He said, maybe they'll work faster. He says, by the end of it, he's holding God on top of his head, standing on his lap, cheering them on. You're doing a great job. You're doing wonderful. Keep going. This is beautiful. Finally, the slab of stone is done. It's this beautiful monument. And he says, Graham, what do you think about this? He says, it's beautiful, Lord. How gorgeous this thing is. He says, would you like to meet the people who shaped it for you? And out come the three stooges. <laughs> the people who are irritating you the most in your life are the people who are being used to shape you into who God's called you to be. Amen? 
Shortly later, after he's sitting in these services, the guys stop showing up. He says he would start giving them pens and paper and inspiring them to come back. And then shortly after that, they stopped coming to all the meetings because they realized they couldn't penetrate. And I wonder if God allows certain things like that in our lives just to see our responses. To see if we'll walk in unforgiveness. To see if we'll still walk in love. Because love is not really love if you only do it when it's convenient. It's easy. to Bible, The Bible says, if you love those who love you, what profit is that to you? If you only are good to those who are good to you, what profit is that? Even sinners love sinners. Even good, good people who do good people right. I mean, if you're just doing it because it's convenient, it holds no power. It holds no weight. Amen. It's when you're doing the hard things. It's when you're loving people who are unlovable and when you're doing good to those who've done harm to you, that's when it actually counts. And that's when people see Christ in your life the most. Amen. I want to go to John 14, verse 30. John 14, verse 30. That's a cool image, Keegan. John 14, verse 30, if you can go there. And it says this, I will, no longer I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Say nothing in me. I love this particular scripture is because it goes all the way back to what we were just saying. Develop a big heart, a loving heart, but thick skin. Jesus said the enemy of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. We have to come to a place. God wants us to come to a place where the enemy nor people have nothing in us. They can find no fault in us. They can find no bitterness, no unforgiveness. Amen? Because if you have something in you, it gives the enemy a loophole to torment you. Amen? We must strip the enemy of his power, especially the believers. I think this, is, this message is more for believers than I think anybody. Because it's the people who struggle with unforgiveness the most. My pastor has wounded me. My spouse has hurt me. He's hurt me. She's hurt me. They've done this. They've done that. And it absolutely saps your relationship with God. You can't have unforgiveness in your heart towards someone, again, without it affecting your relationship with God. In Luke uh, 6.32, I just coined it, and you can put it up on the screen just for their reference. 6.32, it says, but if you love those who love you, what credit, credit is that? for you, for even sinners love sinners. Point number three, forgive quickly. I got to tell you guys a funny story. This past Sunday, um, somebody say forgive quickly. So I had some friends of mine come over and, um, to my house and the kids were all jumping on the trampoline. And, uh, my son Cohen, who you seen, uh, this morning, him and some good friends of mine, um, they didn't know I was going to share this. <laughs> That's why they're laughing. They're afraid. <laughs> Their son and my son are, are pretty much the same age. I think uh, Joshua's one year older. Is he seven? And they're jumping on the trampoline. Matt's wondering what's going to happen right now. And these two guys... And we've never, they've never seen their son do this, and I've never seen my son do this, and they go to square off with each other. And I guess Cohen was tormenting him a little bit and pushing him around and their son pushes Cohen down. And I mean, they literally about to, uh, are about to go at it and fight. I mean, fist fight. 
Okay, and so we all run out to the trampoline and we're breaking up the fight and we're disciplining disciplining our kids. But that's not what stood out to me. You didn't know this. But that very night, or it may have been the next day, it was less than 24 hours for sure. You know what he asked me? Can I go stay the night over at Joshua's house? Forgive quickly. Forgive quickly. I realize more and more, the older that I'm getting, and I'm not that old, but the older I'm getting, I'm realizing what Jesus meant by that scripture that says, unless you become like a little child, you will not enter the kingdom. What is the kingdom? It's not here or there. It's It's not meat or drink. It's righteousness, joy, peace, and the Holy Spirit. He's saying develop a childlike spirit that forgives quickly. And that's why our kids are so joyful. But we as older people, we allow all, you know, all these different things to happen to us. These, these, these constant trespasses from people to harden our heart. But the children have got it right. They, they've learned the art of continuing to forgive because if they don't, they'll carry all this baggage and all this weight. But Cohen didn't allow this thing to happen for 24 hours. I may have even held more offense than he did. And he's, he's ready to forgive and go stay the night. And he was the one at fault. Forgive quickly. Somebody say, forgive quickly. We must develop a childlike spirit that when we're hurt, when we're offended, when we're betrayed, when we're talked bad about, we have to forgive quickly. Amen. Forgive quickly. The Bible says in Matthew uh, 18.3, it says this, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I don't think he meant that you're not going to get into the gates of heaven. He said the kingdom of heaven. Remember, he said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're talking about righteousness, joy, peace, and the Holy Spirit. When we harbor forgiveness towards people, it will sap us from any bit of peace that we have to walk into the kingdom here on earth. Somebody here on earth. Somebody say here on earth, here on earth, here and now. Amen. The pure in heart shall see God the Bible says. And I saw his purity in his heart when he said that. And I I thought to my, I didn't even bring up the situation. I was just ecstatic that he was so quickly ready to forgive and go stay the night at Joshua's house. I still told him no, but um, he forgave, but he can't sleep over. Yeah. It was kind of his discipline. So that's why I told him no. The pure in heart shall see God. We don't forgive. And it doesn't say that what they've done is okay. We forgive so we can see again. The pure in heart shall see God. Do you have a problem seeing God in this season of your life? What are you holding in your heart that blurs the view? The pure in heart shall see God. That means if we have something going on in our heart like bitterness and unforgiveness, excuse the view. I just almost came up with a new word. Excuse the view of God in our lives and God in our hearts. Amen. You know, I spent a lot of time uh, in my life holding a lot of unforgiveness towards God as if God needs unforgiveness. I mean, as if he needs forgiveness. And it totally skewed my view of who God the Father was. And some people just need to forgive God because they think that everything that happened to them was like God's punishment towards them. Am I the only one who's ever felt like you were being punished by God? I don't see any hands and y'all are lying right now. I know there's got to be somebody out there who, there, 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 there's the hands. You know, it seemed like David never learned his lessons. He kept putting himself over and over in front of Saul, over and over. He would put himself in harm's way, but yet he continued to do it. And that just gave an indication to me that Saul, what Saul did never penetrated the heart of David. 
David would continue to put himself in harm's way. It says time and time again, I think it was three times that he put himself in harm's way. There were several times that he would go pick up his heart again. Now, if somebody threw a spear at you, would you go put yourself in harm's way again? David would never learn his lesson because forgiveness, true forgiveness in the heart of a believer never learns the lesson to get bitter. True forgiveness. When you have a true, truly forgiving heart, it never learns the lesson like, I'm not doing that again. I'm just using wisdom. That's what we say to justify it. I'm just using wisdom. Hmm. But the Bible never says, never talks about that. It says, him who, to him who asks, give. If he asks for your cloak, give him your tunic also. If they ask you to go one mile, go two miles. To whoever who lends from you, expect nothing in return. And we wonder why we have such a skewed view of who God is in our lives. Simple, so simple, but it's so freeing. I thought about the freedom that Jesus had towards Judas. Like how free are you when you can look your eye, look in the eyes of your betrayer and say, you're a cup from my father. Knowing he was going to be betrayed, knowing he was going to be hurt. David was doing the same thing, knowing he would, get a, he would possibly die and get this spear jolted through his heart. He knew what, what it could cost him, yet he chose forgiveness. He chose love. He didn't choose bitterness. He continued to pick up his heart, harp and worship and choose love, and he would leave the spear on the ground, being a better thrower than, than Saul was, having the power to exercise authority over Saul and not using it. You know you're, you know you've forgiven when, you've had, when you have the opportunity to hurt someone who's hurt you and you don't take it. And what I loved most, what I loved most, um, about David is the Bible says that Saul was delivered several times into David's hands. Several times. It says he was urinating inside of a cave and David came behind him and cut a piece of his garment. And he said he felt bad about that. And he says, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. Anointed? That's telling me that everybody has a little piece of God in them and you can never hurt somebody without hurting the God in them as well. But David had eyesight. He didn't just see the bad. See, when we see someone as bad in one area of their life, let's say they're just, they're, they just lie or they're just a cheater. We, 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 it's like one leaven leavens a whole lump. We think that they're just that. We don't see the good in them, but David's seen the good that was still in Saul. And he knew he couldn't throw the spear and hurt Saul without hurting the God in Saul. God, give us eyes to see the good in people. Like Martin Luther King said, he said, there's evil in the best of us and in the best of us, there's some type of evil. Amen. But if we can have eyes to see that there's something good in each and every individual and, and that Jesus died for everyone. Amen. He gave his life for everyone, no matter the, what the sin was. And that's what David could see. He could see the good in Saul. Point number four, don't waste your energy anymore. Don't waste your energy anymore. Stop giving people the power of your attitude and the way that you feel. By when you walk in forgiveness, you're lighter. You're, you've got more strut in your step. You, you feel free to love without any restraint. You ever feel like when somebody, you know, you've been betrayed uh, before, like you've let someone borrow, let's say a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars and that person hurt you and never paid you back. And it keeps you from lending to people who really deserve it. Stop making other people pay for other people's mistakes. 
And then you, you can apply this to the marriage relationship as well. Previous relationships we've had, people that have hurt us, people that have abandoned us, things that have happened when you were a little boy or a little girl. We make other people pay the price because of what, other thing, what people have done to us in our lives. Don't waste your energy any longer. I'm going to be more transparent than I've possibly ever have um, in ministry or my life publicly. It's going to shock my mom and my aunt, possibly. I'm going to tell you a quick story. So I used to be a really angry kid. Am I telling the truth, mom? Wave your hand if I'm telling the truth. And the reason I'm able to, to talk about forgiveness like this is because I was probably the most unforgiving person you'd ever met. I was mean as a rattlesnake, mean to my mother, mean to everyone around me because that's what unforgiveness does. It eats you from the inside out. You act out because of what's going on on the inside. And a lot of the cause of this anger was for many reasons. And one of the main reasons is because my, when I was, um, just looking for, for kids in here, I just want to be careful what I say. Um, because of the murder of my father. When my father was murdered, I was nine when that happened. He was brutally uh, murdered in Winter Park. And I just remember, um, I remember who was associated with the murder of my dad because it was swept under the rug. He was, the long story short was he was wired and he was um, helping uh, these guys get convicted. He was just associated with the police and he was trying to to get off easy. Basically, he wanted to reduce his time because he was going to go to prison. And, and by doing that, the, they found out and that they ended up killing him. And, and for many, many years, I had these three names written in my wallet that I carried around for years. Do you remember that, Mom? Several years, I carried it in the little leaflet. And I promised myself, if I ever seen these three men and I was an angry man, and I'm not a little man, as you can see. I promised myself it would be the last time that they seen light of day. And I get saved. I encounter the Lord in a radical way. And, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, just don't touch that. Don't touch this, Lord. You, you can't touch that. That's, 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 you can have everything else. Don't touch that. And I was really angry at God. I remember, I remember, never do this. I was so angry at God, I threw the Bible across the room. And I mean, mind you, I'm a believer. And I'm at this encounter. It's called an encounter weekend. It was with Church in the Sun, uh, a local ministry here. And I remember I was wanting to receive the infilling or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, almost as if I'm talking to you right now, tapped on my shoulder. Everybody's getting filled with the Holy Spirit. They're having these encounters and I'm lifting my hands. I'm like, I'm ready. Lord, you have my whole heart. Aren't you tired of telling God he has you when you know he really don't? I was lifting my hands and I'm ready. I'm crying in the Holy Spirit. And these tears stopped when he said this. He taps me on the shoulder. And he says, forgive him. It's time. And I stopped crying real quick. Wiped my tears away. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. And I just felt the Holy Spirit saying, you have to. Let him go. Let go of his throat. There's this guy standing in the front. He says, if there's anybody in here who's had unforgiveness in your heart, who's hurt you, I want you to come in the front and I want to stand in the stead of this person who hurt you. 
you know, I want him to kill the guy. I come up to this guy and I'm trembling. And I, I say, listen, I'm, I couldn't even look at him. And I'm, I'm doing the right thing. I'm not feeling it. Okay, it's not about a feeling. I'm not feeling it. And I forgave. I forgave this guy. And he says, Donnie, I'm sorry. I'm, I murdered your dad. And I mean, he said the whole thing. He was acting as if he were the guy, the perpetrator. And I go home. I don't get baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit that day. But I forgave. I go home. It was a day or two later. I'm in my living room with nobody around. And I have my worship music blasting. And all of a sudden, I have this encounter. You guys may think I'm crazy. Me and Matt are in good company. He told his story last week. I feel as if I'm, on, I'm taking, on top, taking up on top of this mountain and I encounter this infilling of God that I've, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing this stuff, okay? I'm on top of this mountain and I just feel God just fill my entire being from top to toe and I start speaking in, in, in an unknown language, the Bible says. I mean, I'm totally filled with the Holy Spirit. And that went to show me, that encounter went to show me one thing, is that when you have room in your heart for unforgiveness, it excludes room for God. It excluded room that God could have had. And it was almost as if I felt the Lord say, thank you. And you know what happens a couple years later, two years later? My phone rings. Now these individuals knew that I was looking for them. And they called me and said, hey, I'm in town. I have information about your dad. And I, I forget that I was saved at the moment. I forgot that I had forgiven. He told me where he was at in the hospital. And I didn't waste any time. And I head over to the hospital. And I used to carry. I don't carry anymore. I used to carry. And I sat with that car door open. And I had a choice right then and there. What choice was I going to make? Was I going to allow this to kill me for the rest of my life? Or was I going to go forgive the people who've robbed me of a relationship with my father? Hurt me so deeply. Didn't have a childhood. I never had a man throw a ball or come to a game or anything like that. Robbed me of an early childhood. You don't even know this. I never told you this. I never even told my mom. And um, I sit in that car with that car door open. And, and, and as I said, I felt the Lord again say, to read this scripture, if you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. And I, I just knew what I had to do. I get out of that car, I'm mad. I head straight up, I beeline, I know exactly what room he's in. I sit down with this guy and it was as if the love of God when I seen him is as if I seen his pain, what would cause a person to do such a thing. See, the reason we get, we get so angry with people is because, and we don't understand why they've done what they've done, is because we don't understand what's happened to them. We don't understand what type of abuse they've encountered, what type of abandonment they've encountered, or what type of hateful things were done, with, done to them, the things that the enemy has used in their lives to make them feel at liberty to do something like that. So I go up there, and this guy accepts Jesus Christ as Savior. He accepts the Lord. I forgave him. I forgave the others. I laid it at Christ's feet. And the rest is absolute history. Now look what God has done. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. And if you, you may have to do it a thousand times. And you know what? Up to a few years ago, I still had to keep forgiving. This guy couldn't believe. He said, why are you doing this? 
Why are you doing this? I remember his name. I would never say his name publicly. I remember him sitting, how vulnerable he was, and I had an opportunity. And you know what I was thinking about on my way here this morning? As we prepared to play this video, I, I want to read this to you. Is this okay? It's in 1 Samuel verse 26. In verse 7, it says, So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and there Saul lay sleeping within the camp with his spear. Hmm. It was stuck in the ground by his head, and Abner and the people all lay around him, for the Lord had put a sweet sleep on them. The Lord had delivered Saul into David's hands. Then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hands this day, same way that I felt. Now, therefore, please let me strike him at once with his spear right to the earth, and I will not have to strike him a second time. That was a nice way of saying it's only going to take one blow. That day, the Lord gave me the spear just to see what I would do. The Lord, it says, the, the Bible says that he, the Lord delivered Saul into his hands to see what he would do with it. Would you take revenge if you had the opportunity? And I believe the Lord was testing David to see if he was truly a man after his own heart. And you know what I think David could see? He could see beyond the spear. And this is why he chose the harp. He could see beyond the spear. He's seen that how much insecurity Saul, Saul struggled with, how much brokenness Saul struggled with. And that kept David from picking up the spear and doing harm to a person who'd done harm to him and wanted to kill him. And in that moment, when I was in that, in that hospital room with that man, I could see the brokenness in that man's childhood. Probably didn't have a dad himself. Who knows what would have happened to him? You know, there's a couple of reasons why I think people have trouble forgiving. And one reason is, is because they can't see the depth of pain that are in other people's heart that have hurt you. I think that was certainly the case with me. And there's a second reason is because you don't fully understand what God did on the cross and who he died for and why he died the way that he did the death that he chose to suffer for humanity. It was for everyone. Would you please stand to your feet? Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.